Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Two Guys Zero Planners. Urban decided to have an argument with his carport, so joining me this week, we've got Robo Jim from BYOB and just overall pen roaming fame. You go to quite a few pen shows. Hi, everyone. Yeah, um, last year I did, wait, like six, six pen shows, uh, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Long Island, Chicago, San Francisco, Toronto. Yeah, six last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably going to pump the brakes on it this year because... Uh, I only have so many day- free days off, and I'd like to travel for non-pen related reasons too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, I'm not making the trek up to Chicago this year. I may just do Dallas because it's three and a half hours away. What about St. Louis, or is that also far? Oh, St. Louis is like eight and a half hours. Yeah, that's far. Yeah, yeah, but Dallas is a good show. I hear. Um. Oh yeah. If what Brad said was any indication, then yes, that's my kind of show. I mean, speaking of shows, I was at the Philly show this year, too, just last weekend. I want to hear about that. But before we do, I want to go ahead and do a quick shout out to our ongoing sponsors, Ron and the fine folks over at Penn Chalet for sponsoring Two Guys Zero Planners. Head on over to Penn Chalet, click that radio podcast link at the top of the page and enter two guys in the how you heard about us section to unlock that site wide 10 percent discount and take advantage of some killer deals, ink points and free fast shipping on orders over $50. So once again, thank you, Ron, for everything you do for Two Guys Zero Planners. So Philly, how was it? Well, uh, it was very cold. It snowed a lot on Saturday. So uh, there are a bunch of people that made it to the show from down south. Uh, most notoriously, Ness, who uh, several times before had told me that she had zero interest in going to any of those shows that are like in the cold northeast. Uh, but she actually made it to this show this time, not as a vendor, just as a individual person. Uh, she brought a few things with her, specifically her collaborative pen with uh, Sean Newton uh, with the uh, Brooks material. And yeah, it was a great show. I mean, uh, this year it was a different hotel. It was at the Sher- at the Philadelphia 201 because the regular hotel, the Westin, was being renovated. But it was still overall a good show. Uh, I didn't actually stay at the hotel. I was staying with a friend because I like to save some money. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, saving money means buying more things at the show. Uh, it was it's, it's a small show. It felt smaller this year, even though it might have not actually been smaller. Um, it was basically held in the mezzanine of the hotel. So there's one big room on the inside with most of the uh, expected vintage and new vendors, so to speak. Right. And outside of the mezzanine, there was also an area where people were selling uh, and providing services. There were uh, nib grinders like Mark Buckus was there. Um, Josh Lax was there too. Uh, Ian Schoen. A few other uh, vendors here and there. Well, isn't Philly getting ready to be a hometown show for Schoen? Uh, yes. So Ian Schoen is actually moving his workshop sometime later this year to Philadelphia. So I think that's why he actually... Uh, made it made an express point to make it to the show this time uh, to show off his wares. I actually bought something from him. I bought one of his zero uh, two pens in copper, and this thing is heavy. It's ninety four grams. Which wait, how much is that in ounces? I don't know. A lot heavier out of a pen than I think I would really actually enjoy. It's three and a quarter ounces. Uh, yeah, it's heavy, and I mean, I'm kind of. I've kind of wanted something that heavy because it'll like stay in my pocket and not jostle. Uh, okay. Specifically because it has the clip. If it didn't have the clip, I wouldn't want it to be that heavy because then it'd just eat everything in my pocket anyway. 
Now, is the O2 a fountain or a ballpoint? Uh, no, that's his ballpoint. It takes a Fisher refill, but he also has a adapter to add any D1 refill. But um, he's going to be coming up with a fountain pen design later this year. No idea when exactly, just later this year. Okay, when he does that, I may actually look that way. Um, yeah. I still have my hatred for all things ballpoint and rollerball. That's fair. I <laughs> am an equal opportunity writer in that sense. You always have been. Um, I still get just massive hand cramps to the point where my coworkers now have purchased like cheap Chinese fountain pens themselves. And if they ever need me to sign something at work, which is becoming quite often, they will actually bring me their cheap fountain pen for me to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't for you. It doesn't work for you. Um, apart from that, I mean, as always, Franklin Kristoff is at the show. Oh, and yes, this was their return to the pen show circuit and the return of the Signib, which for people who aren't familiar, it's the Stub Italic Gradient. It was a grind developed by the late Jim Rouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, although his presence was definitely missed at the show, yeah. uh, it was nice to see that Audrey Madison, Mike Madison's wife, uh, but that's not to take away from her own skill. She's been, she had been working with uh, Jim over the last several months before his passing even to mm-hmm. uh, take up more and more of the nib grinding work uh, for Franklin Kristoff. And... Uh, She's been confident enough in her own skill to reintroduce the grind with her own spin at the show this year. And uh, everyone I know who bought one and tried one really enjoyed it. I got to try one. I also enjoyed it. Only reason I didn't buy one is just because, well, I already have too many things. <laughs> Franklin Kristoff is still on my list of pens to get. Same thing with a crew sack and a few others. Uh, definitely a Woodshed Penco also. I need to get some of their stuff. But um, I really want an fc45 with a sig from audrey i heard nothing but good things from like seven or eight different people that tried her take on the sig while they were at philly so i'm like really foaming at the mouth for that pen now mm-hmm. yeah uh, i didn't buy any frank from christoph's just because i mean i like the pens but at this point i'm kind of past the hype so i already have my own frank and christoph's i'm pretty happy with them so uh, it's a good pen it's just I think I can do without buying more of them. Although I did buy a fountain pen too. I got a uh, Ryan Crusack Legend L12, which is his newest model. It's the the number five model. It's basically the same size as the L14, mm-hmm. but narrower. Uh, so narrower in the body and the section, and it fits a number five nib. And I got mine in Purple Heart, which is a very nice looking wood. So that was the extent of my purchases in Philadelphia. I bought a Schoen pen and a Legend L12, uh, and I got two nib nib grinds done for me by Mark Muckus. So it was pretty simple, but I mean, uh, you and I both know that, yeah, you can buy things and spend money at shows, but the real heart of shows is just like seeing the people. And I hadn't been to a show since the one in Toronto, and even then that was a small show, only a few hours in the afternoon. This was the first show show i'd been since san francisco and it was it was fun to see so many familiar faces we had yeah. people fly or fly in from all across the country it definitely is about the people i mean even in chicago last year it was great seeing you jesse michael other mike um just pretty much everyone i mean running into the people that i got to talk to online and it's just like pen shows first and foremost yes you can go find really interesting pens but there is just a community that you get at a pen show that until you experience it, you don't 
know what you're missing. For sure, for sure. And yeah, it was great to like just spend time post-show, you know, everyone's excited to show off the things they bought. You get to play with pens that you often wouldn't have otherwise tried in your life. I mean, uh, there were some people that got to try some of my nicer nibs and I don't know, someone tries it like a Blade Turk by Mark Buck. It's like, oh, I'm going to get that done tomorrow and, you know, so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, definitely missed that aspect of the show. And honestly, although I initially wasn't too like interested in it, I think I'm going to be going for the Baltimore show, too. Uh, maybe not the full weekend. Uh, don't need to take Friday off, but hey, we'll see. <laughs> I think that's the one good thing about Dallas with it being a two day show. I can arrange my work schedule to where. I can work a few hours like Friday morning, Mm -hmm. head down to Dallas for the afternoon part of Friday and then just stay overnight, enjoy Saturday and then I'm good. I I can just drive right back home. I don't have to deal with an airport. And honestly, push comes to shove. If I can only make it for one day, it's not hard for me to hop in the car at six in the morning, get to the pen show, enjoy myself and then come home. Yeah, that's that's not bad either. I mean, uh, that's the way I look at Long Island pen show for myself. I it's a small show. I wouldn't tell if if you don't live close enough to it that it's not a big deal. You don't really go for the Long Island show, especially because the show's held in a university rec center, not in a hotel. So when things are done, it just closes down. So no one else has anywhere else to go. But yeah, it's still fun. I I I'm trying to imagine how I would fit in in a situation like Long Island. I was kind of always avoiding stepping foot in campus when I was in college to begin with. So stepping back into a college campus, even for a pen show, I think would just like make the hair on the back of my neck stand straight up. I don't know. It just seems weird. <laughs> also, it's college on Long campuses, Island, so. man, college campuses. They can they can do some strange things to you. I mean, I, I <laughs> passed through my college campus when I was in Lebanon in December and I was just like, ah. I don't really miss this place. I mean, I miss the people who are there, but I don't really miss the place itself. Yeah, I'm, I miss the professor that I was a teacher's assistant for, but that's pretty much it. The one thing, I don't know, I'm definitely not going to be doing any um, rabid pen buying like I did last year. Thank you, Jim, for putting me on that path to pen destruction. I wasn't the only one, to be fair. That's true. Um, who, who was the first one that actually got me to do something? Was it you or was it Mike Madison? I don't remember at this point. It was the M400 and it was Mike Madison. Sounds sounds about right. Yep. He was the first one and then it went downhill from there. You know, I don't have a single pen from that pen show anymore. Oh, you got rid of the Nakaya too, yeah? Yes, had to use the Nakaya to pay for part of Karma's surgery. So, yeah. You have been penabled spectacularly at some points. Uh, I did have a nice penabling story of my own for Philly. So Ooh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Angela, a.k.a. Inky Converters, was visiting New York just for she had research purposes and, you know, just she wanted to hang out. So she came to the Big Apple Fan Club Thursday night before Philly started. And me and uh, our mutual friend, Franklin Williams, Pens and Pictures, basically convinced her that to push her flight by a day and come with us to the Philly Pen Show. Oh, wow. So I don't know if we've ever penabled anyone that hard. Um, as far as pen show scheduling, probably not. But, but I mean, it was lots of fun. It was great because like, also I didn't tell. So I'm on another discord, uh, pens and friends where we have some mutual friends. So Mm -hmm. once I convinced Angela, I told her, don't tell anyone else. So once we got there, I go and say hi and hug people. And, 
when they see her, they just have like their faces light up and it's like, what are you doing here? And, you know, it was just like, it was, it was an awesome reaction. So it was very nice. It was lots of fun. See, that's good penabling. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, ultimately, she did spend more money. Yes, she had to stay in a hotel room with someone else. But I mean, she still had lots of fun. I, I call that a good trade off. Yeah. Did Lisa do her um, mixer table, even though she wasn't a vendor for the show? Yes, she actually did hold it. And uh, I actually filmed most of it on my uh, Instagram uh, story. And I think I might try to bring those into some form of video to see if we can link it later on. Now, is that robo.jim or robo.jpg? Robojim.nib. Robojim.nib. I'm going to put it in the archive so it will be visible for people there. Uh, It was pretty interesting to watch. There were a bunch of people speaking. Uh, Ryan Krusak, who is new to the thing, Mm -hmm. uh, spoke. He spoke about his history and how he got started with making pens. Uh, Actually, funny enough, it actually started because of Mont Blanc because he wanted to, you know, I, I guess he had, I forgot what was job was at the time but he thought of buying like a nice pen to celebrate his new job and when he went to the store he found out that wow why are these so expensive and they tell him oh it's made of precious resin and he just thinks to himself that's you know that's uh i'm paraphrasing here that's bs that's that doesn't sound right because he works with actual precious materials which are rare woods and other uh natural materials and he decided he's going to start making pens and yeah, he figured the profit margins on those uh, pens were crazy ridiculous and he could undercut them and make even nicer pens. And if you look at, for the people listening, if you look at anything that Ryan has posted at rkspens.com, his prices are insanely reasonable for just the amount of work he puts into them. These are true works of art. It's definitely one of those things you see them online, you just think it just looks like a wood pen, but then you have to like hold them and use them and realize they're perfectly balanced they're lined up in a way that they always match up they're very nice pens and they they're definitely like it's one of those things you need to see in person and even then some people might not like them but everyone still appreciates his own uh work for it anyway i mean i like his scrimshaw work the wood pens are 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 really good i like the grain on them but the scrimshaw stuff he does is what really draws me to his work You you could even submit your own design if you wanted to someone was speaking to him about submitting a Cthulhu-esque design. So he's even open to some darker things. Wait, maybe. you mean so I could have him do a custom The Inktwell scrimshaw if I beg nice Potentially. enough? You'd probably, I mean, you just have to email him and ask him about it. So uh, usually he, he in, in his case, he usually draws the designs and then has it uh, done with a machine. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess you could pass him a picture. I mean, I don't know how much resolution it needs, but yeah. I mean, honestly, his handwriting is nice enough. I would actually like him to just handwrite it in there with his own flair. I mean, he's the artist in that situation. I'm just a random guy that does YouTube videos and podcasts. Uh, it's one of those things you need to email him to figure out what he can and can't do. I probably, I'll, I'll put that in the reply. He's getting ready to send me his uh, current L12 inventory that's left over mm-hmm. from Philly. So I can go ahead and nice. take a pic of an L12. Nice, nice. And when I say take a pick, I mean buy one at full price. I need to start clarifying that more now that I do the whole review channel yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Some he, people, he's... yeah, yeah. Some people got mad at me, even though I was putting disclaimers in the videos of, hey, I got this at discount. I had one guy do a complete freak out on me. Yeah, so good times. Well, I mean, have you received anything recently? Um, 
I did actually I need to check the mail because I did just get a hand uh, a hand rubbed pen pillow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this person on Instagram takes stones and just rubs out a perfect pen pillow from the stone. Nice. Who is that person? Uh, I don't know where my phone is. That's weird. Uh, Quadrupod. Okay. I think that. Yeah, I think it's Quadrupod. I'll correct myself in the show notes if I'm wrong. <laughs> but yeah, they just hit me up on Instagram and they're like, hey, so you need another pen pillow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, Um, it's definitely interesting. Nothing is more interesting than having someone literally go, hey, I'm going to send you like four pens, review them and then send them back. Yeah, it's always one of those things where it's like, is this actually happening? Yeah, uh, kind of like the time I got the paper made out of elephant poop. That That's definitely an interesting story. Did you end up using it or not really? Um, I gifted it to one of my managers at work and they used it. Did it smell or not really? No, it was actually very sterile. We were surprised. Okay. Yeah, we actually did a germ culture on it and everything. Nice, nice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was it was what you would expect for elephant paper. But all in all, it was really clean, wrote really well. The small writing sample I did on it, it had just enough tooth, but not so much that you felt like you were like ripping the paper when you were writing on it. Anything else? Um, well, last year, this this bearded guy and this calligrapher teamed up to uh, get me a Parker 51. I wonder who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. Um, oh... Robot Kirk. I think it's Robot Kirk. No, Robo Jim. Yeah, that guy. But uh, <laughs> I finally got around to doing a review on it. And yeah, that pen is actually... I, I love that pen. Thank you, by the way. The the 51's like a timeless design. So it, it's pretty nice. Like, it's one, again, another one of those pens that people don't think about immediately. And it's just that, you know, people are afraid of vintage. And it's like, whenever someone tells me they're afraid of vintage, I just tell them, get a 51. It's like, brainless you know uh, i forgot if yours is a vac or an aerometric um does it have the pump at the back it doesn't have the pump at the back it's so got then the it's aerometric the okay, yeah. yeah so that's even easier so if you're if you're a newbie to vintage an aerometric parker vacuumatic 51 sorry parker 51 not parker vacuumatic an aerometric <laughs> parker 51 is super simple easy to clean uh basically indestructible as long as you don't like crush it or something right uh yeah and they, they're, for the most part, nice writers. Um, it's harder to find broader nibs, but you can still find them. They just cost a bit more. I probably do the sacrilegious thing when it comes to filling it. Um, since I clean my pens before switching out inks completely, I will take the nib housing off. I'll take the hood off of it. And then I'll actually go ahead and pull the entire feed. Yeah, that's how you would do it. And then I go ahead and use a syringe to fill it. That way I can top it off completely. See, that's there's nothing wrong with that. The only thing I'd warn is that if you always disassemble your pen that way, you just expose yourself more to the risk of breaking parts. But it's not necessarily going to happen. It's just something you have to, you know, be conscious of in case it happens. Yeah, practice on a Wingsung 601 a few times before you go do that to your Parker 51. I did actually bust another one of my Parker Wingsung 601s while uh, fixing something with its uh, pump at the back. I tore that diaphragm, so that one's gone. But it was only, what, 15 bucks, so whatever. Yeah, Urban sent that one to me in a care package of Chinese pens, and I was like, well, it's enough like my Parker that I can go ahead and experiment on this one and not feel guilty if I screw something up. Yep. Speaking of which, uh, pen acquisition question. Um, 
if you had to choose between getting the Wancher True Ebonite or the Esterbrook Esty with the um with the nib attachment, which would you go for? Hmm. That is an interesting question because the Wancher Ebonite, it's an interesting material. And for anyone who's never had an Ebonite pen, it's a straightforward way to get that experience. Uh it's a it takes a Yovo nib, if I'm not mistaken. So Mm-hmm. Both of them are kind of the same pen. They they have that, you know, classic tapered cigar shape. Um, and the Esterbrook, it's a historic brand brought back the right way this time. Not like the first <laughs> exactly. time it was brought back. Well, we don't need to go further into that. I mean, in a past uh, podcast life, we had a very long rant about old Esterbrook. And new Esterbrook is, I mean, I kind of like what they're doing. They're on the pricey side, in my opinion, but they're still... Well done. So I can't mm-hmm. hold that against them. And I like the new colors they, they've introduced. And the fact that you get to use the old nibs on them is just like, it's a nice way to like leave a nod to the old, uh, the old vintage pens without, you know, going completely the way down of like just bringing back the old pens as is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'd go for the Esterbrook. See, I was, I was on the fence leaning more towards the launcher, but once Kenro released the uh the, the green. evergreen. Yeah, it's a nice color. Yeah, I saw that in uh Mike Madison's Philly video. And there are more pen... colors coming too. Really? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Can't I may say. have to I may have to hold just, off on just, the there's SD. more colors coming though. Yeah, I may have to hold off on the SD to see what the other colors are then. Yeah. I, I keep saying I want to get one so I can send it off to uh, Hiroko in Japan of Bokumondo mm-hmm. fame. Because that that uh, black one, it's just screaming for someone to like lay some art down on it. So we'll see. <laughs> and if you pick up the SD, the one thing you can always do is like contact Jesse Coles over at Vintage Pen Shop. And odds are, if there's a vintage Esterbrook nib that you want, she can probably either A, sell you something from her stock or find it for you. Yeah, uh, I, it was great seeing Jesse at Philly too. She was there. Uh, she's like a pen show mom in a way, sort of, almost. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I already have a good estinib I do enjoy writing with, but if there was one more I'm still looking for, it's the 9314 in broad, which is their stub. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's one I want. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Um other than so those are your new acquisitions i did have one more pen arrive in the mail basically the day after i left to philly and i mm-hmm. got a pen bbs 355 which uh for people who aren't keeping track of all of their uh, crazy number schemes that don't necessarily make much sense this is their take on the bulk filler style system that uh is made famous by conid but was actually not invented by conid uh they just innovated with a certain locking mechanism on it um i think it's an okay pen it's it's definitely not built to the same level as a conid and that's why it costs 10 percent of what a conid costs uh they do come in cool acrylics i mean a conid's gonna set you out what 400 minimum uh yeah that's for like the the slim line a regular that would be basically the same size as this 355 is closer to 500 550 depending what extras you get on it uh so yeah it's definitely way less than that it's i got mine for 38 shipped from china and it's in the galaxy finish which is this cool blue black that has a nice uh iridescent chatoyance according to how you turn it I really like the body. 
Um, I do think it would be nicer if they upgraded a few things for the body anyway. So uh, the piston nut that actually holds the whole um, bulk filler assembly in is made of all plastic. Mm-hmm. And I'd already had the 456, which is their vac filler that I received. And that one's made of metal. So this feels like a step down, even though it kind of costs the same. Maybe this one's slightly less. Um, also, I could have gotten it in a demo, but I'm not a huge fan of demos. So I got the blue <laughs> one. But a small ink window would be nice. Um, not just to see the ink level, but also to see if I've actually engaged the piston properly. Because right. it's kind of tricky without seeing what you're doing. Yeah, an ink window definitely would help in that situation. So yeah. if you had to go between the vac filler and the bulk filler, which would you go for? Like if, uh, if you were to buy them every again? time, four fifty six every time. Yeah, uh, I like the shape more. It feels a bit more substantial. Uh, and there's there's this idea. I forgot who told me that PenBBS uses multiple different factories for different models. And I can mm-hmm. definitely see that. I can definitely see that uh, some some pens are made by certain other companies, and I have a lot of pen BBS now. I've bought four of them so far. I have the 309, which is their basic piston filler. I got the 456, which is the vac filler, the 322, which is the smaller number five sized pen, and mm-hmm. now this 355. And yeah, I mean, I like the work they do. I think it's cool that they can bring uh, interesting filling systems to a lower price point. They're kind of doing what Twisby was initially doing about four or five years ago. And playful pens now they put out two new pens and they're already sold out they have the 471 i want to say which is their pocket pen it's shorter than a moonman wankai but has a bigger nib and is wider has a weird funky ring you can use to like make it longer if you want <laughs> um and the 380 which is a metal a metal sort of decapod twist like design it's not a decapod twist it's different proportions but the inspiration is clearly there and yeah, some people might call it a ripoff, but I mean, again, just like with the 355 bulk filler, no one who's buying a Conid's really going to just be like, oh, instead of buying a Conid, I'll buy this pen BBS, or instead of buying a Nakea, I'll buy this pen well, BBS. because when you spend that much money on a pen, when you spend four or five, seven hundred dollars on a pen, nine times out of ten, you're also getting custom tuning with that pen as well. For sure. For sure. I mean, I go out and I spend seven hundred dollars on a Nakaya Piccolo. And Nibs is going to ask you, how do you want this nib tuned? Do you want it dry? Do you want it wet? And you're going to get that nib. And if it doesn't fit your style, they'll actually work with you to make it right. You're not going to get that from Pen BBS. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, even going beyond that, I was just saying, so if if I'm someone who doesn't have the capacity to spend money on a Nakaya, uh, this is a way for me to like dip my toes into the water, see if I like the design. And even if I did have the money to spend on a Nakaya, if I want the Nakaya, I'm getting that. I'm not going to, you know, be like, oh, now that there's this, I don't need the Nakaya. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Once the budget is there for the for the pen that you want, you're going to get that pen. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, I don't mean in this in a demeaning way. I mean, uh, I've bought expensive pens. I actually haven't yet crossed the $1,000 threshold. I'm still several hundred dollars short of that. But I mean, yeah. that doesn't that still doesn't take away from my enjoyment of cheaper pens i mean uh i'm not super excited about new cheap pens but hey sometimes if there's something interesting i'll jump on um so yeah the oh and this pen bbs 355 i got has their new medium nib which is a first for them because normally they just have that fine nib or the fine sort of waverly nib that they've done on other pens 
Mm-hmm. And it's nice that they're they so Baini who uh, Baini Jeng who works for I believe she does like PR or marketing or something with Pen BBS mm-hmm. uh, on their Instagram. She showed a while back that they have all sorts of nib sizes coming up. Uh, they labeled them in millimeter sizes, so they were like 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, etc. So I think we're gonna start to see those. Hopefully they'll start to be like standard offerings you can just buy as is because I'd love to replace the nib on my 309 with something bigger. I mean, I'd really like to see just, I, I want to see more variation from Pen BBS on the nib size because yeah. that's really the only thing keeping me from getting them. Fine nibs are good, but... You get bored of them eventually. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I like doing, the more the more crazy a pen looks as far as the acrylics or the patterns, I'm buying that pen more for the artistic flair I can get from it and having that wider nib where the ink can really do a lot of work with its shading or sheening properties. That's why I buy that pen. I want it to stand out when I use it. Yeah. And I mean, they're coming. They're coming. They're on the way. And uh, just kind of a a note, uh, there are some 456 pens on the Pen BBS Etsy store, as well as a bunch of the 471 pocket pens. I think they made a lot of those. And I mean... They're small, and I think the design's probably simple enough that they can just like churn them out really quickly. Versus, say, the four, five, six, and three, five, five, probably take a bit more tweaking to get right. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Jim, um, it's definitely been a pleasure. Long time no talk, and thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me, Evgeny. Um, I mean, whenever you need some help, just let me know. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. So uh, last month I recorded something with Urban, and now I recorded something with you. So. Maybe we'll do a, a three-way at some point. Wait, that turned out wrong. <laughs> oh, man. I had a moment just like that last night on Philosophical, so I know how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have a good one. Thank you guys for listening. And till next week, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.